Hello, listeners. Slight issue with our news this week. My mobile phone was interfering with the uh, microphones that we have. Unfortunately, it only seems to be happening to my microphone and my mobile phone, but given it was the news segment where I was reading everything off my mobile phone, it caused quite a problem. So I've cut that out, and we're just going to go straight to the interview that we did with Nick Sandry from Molly Rose. Nick's a really interesting guy, got a really good project in the works. Um, So we, we hear his story about how he got to, I guess, be opening up a brew pub in Collingwood, which is about to start work soon. We also have a bit of an announcement between, um, or a bit of an announcement of a collab between Molly Rose and Ale of a Time. Uh, It's not a beer collab, but we'll uh, talk more about that at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Um, And I should say the the collab and the announcement um, wouldn't be possible without the support of our Patreon supporters. Uh, Big shout out to all of them. Um, We're going to have some cool stuff, and and they're really... um, they're the ones that have made it possible. So, yeah, huge thanks to, to them for jumping on board. And if you want to jump on board, uh, patreon.com slash ale of a time. So, Nick, what's Molly Rose? What's Molly Rose? Molly Rose is a brewery that I launched uh, about this time last year. Um, and I, um, I launched it off the back of uh, a four-month trip around the world where I was investigating beer cultures and uh, traditions. So, what I did was I, I launched with a, a six-pack of beer. It was kind of like a subscri- magazine subscription. So people get three beers pretty much straight up. So they got them in December last year. And then they got their second three, which were all barrel-aged. Uh, they've just been shipped out. Um, and each one of those beers was based on a little story about getting Molly Rose to where we are now. So, yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to get... You gave me a, a pack of the three, the first three? Yes, uh, what were they? There's a, a dark lager with a uh, little bit of smoked malt. Yep, smoked. It was a Japanese dark lager, which had cherry wood smoked malt and a bit of uh, kombu in there for some salty umami kind of character. It was a uh, Japanese in that it was uh, inspired by the food of Japan more than the beers of Japan. Uh, so that balance of sweet and savory and yeah, just complexity and balance. Uh, West Coast IPA. Yep. Loved the IPAs in America. Just, they're, they're banging. They're awesome. Uh, and they're styles that I love to drink and that I love to brew and that I'm looking forward to brewing more in the future. As much as like you set an expectation for drinking IPA on the West Coast, it always exceeds it. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Let's Did you, was that something you kind of, you know, because you also went to Europe and many other places. Were you expecting to have that? experience in US yeah like you say Dave I was I was I I knew I was in for a treat I knew I was in for a treat but then I got there and it was exceeded my expectations were exceeded they were just so drinkable and so balanced 
and just full flavored and delicious. The, um, they were so balanced, yet most of the IPAs in the States, as you know, are well above six and a half percent. So, and over here, well, we're drinking a MIDI at the moment, enjoying it. This is what we do with beer in Australia. We like, we like to drink session beers. It seems to be like a cleanliness of their hot profile, though, oh. that just like stands out so much. Yeah. Delightful. So how did you approach that in trying to recreate that? Um, it was a while so ago now, wasn't it? It was a while ago. That was, yeah, over 12 months ago. So I actually, Nipahs were starting to be a little bit trendy in Australia at that time. So, And I really like playing around with yeast. So what I did was I grabbed a, 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 a Nipah yeast and then blended that with a normal West Coast IPA yeast. Um, so we got some fruitiness, but we also dried it right out to mm. try and get that punchy, juicy, tropical fruitiness, but then dry it right out to get that clean, uh, bitter finish. And um, I think it turned out all right. I mm. uh, look forward to making some more. Mm. Um, I haven't done any since then because I'm only putting beers in 750 mil bottles. Um, and I don't, want anybody to get one of those beers off a shelf somewhere and for it to not be ultra fresh. So once I get my brewery set up, people are going to be able to come in and drink IPAs fresh at the source, which is what I loved in the States. Mm. Uh, and the third one was a strawberry? Strawberry sour. Yeah. Mm. Tell us about that one. So I think that was, might have been my favorite of the three. Uh, it was called Sour Tom. Uh, it was named after a really good friend of mine, Tom, who had a shocking week at... Um, at a job that we were both at, we are both working in a brewery and he dry hopped the wrong tank and he crashed the forklift and then he mashed in accidentally. Yeah, and so he had to dig out mash that was at like 35 degrees so it was just thick gluggy porridge. Dug it out of the mash tun, about a ton of it and that mash slowly sat there and soured outside in the sun. And um, I walked past it one day and normally grain starts to smell a bit funky after a few days. I walked past it and it smelled really clean. So I took home a bucket of it and turned it into a beer. And uh, strawberries were in season in Byron Bay at the time. So grabbed a couple of kilos of strawberries, threw them in, bottled it up. And uh, everybody else in the brewery knew that I was making this beer called Sour Tom, except Tom. And then we presented it to him. And he, yeah, <laughs> he'd got over his bad week by then. So he loved it. <laughs> Um, and so you, that wasn't the same version though, you, you recreated that? I recreated that uh, using uh, barrel fermenting. Yep. So I soured using lactobacillus, it wasn't a kettle sour, so still live. Uh, a bit of saison yeast, about 5.5% and then a whole bunch of strawberries just straight into the barrel and fermented on that and yeah, bottled it up. So I've recreated that again, same, bat, same beer, I've just sold it around the place. So it, Around in bottle shops? Around in bottle shops, in bars and... Um, so, and you're, you've had uh, another beer in bottle shops, uh, Matilde, mm -hmm. which is a saison of bread. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so, Matilde is um, kind of my take on a Belgian saison. Uh, I like them dry and hoppy, uh, but it was also inspired a little bit by Oval because uh, I love the way that Oval can change over... Two months, three months, six months, ten months, two years, and it's a drastically different beer, but beautiful at every stage. So I wanted to kind of make a saison that would develop over time and change. So yeah, I've, I've 
fermented it, co-fermented it with a Saison strain and a Brett strain. Very specific Brett, spra- Brett, Brett, Brett strain. <laughs> Brett strain to give it like a fruitiness and a spiciness and um, none of the horsiness. So keep it really entry level uh, in terms of Brett, uh, but just add layers of complexity into that beer. And when was it you brewed that one? Um, I've been brewing it all year. Yeah, so right, that's, okay. that's my um, regular beer. Sure. And how has it um, evolved? Um, I love it. I love it. I'm really, really proud of the beer. It has, uh, so it starts off hoppy and quite herbal, lemony, bitter um, type flavors, but still dry and Saison-esque. But over time, those hops drop out and kind of a musky earthiness comes forwards a little bit. Um, Still with that lemon kind of um, lemon flavor in there, but it turns more into a lemon verbena or a candied lemon peel. Um, So yeah, it... It evolves in bottle and it changes, and it each bottle is slightly different, each batch is slightly different. Uh, but I think that's really cool. Last time I saw, or one of the last times I saw you, you were pouring it for wine people at a wine company launch, uh, Utra. Um, how did it go? Because you were the only brewery there, and your your beers look very much like wine bottles. And I, I know people came up expecting to get wine, and they got a saison. What was the feedback like? Uh, people loved it, and none of the none of the wine snobs that were there picked that there was bread in it. I didn't yeah, okay. tell them, <laughs> um, which is funny. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, it went down really well. Uh, I had an, about an eight month old sample, so it's quite layered in terms of com- yeah complexity, um, and yeah, I was drinking fantastic. I also had on the pour at the time my um, coffee citrus sour beer, mm. which is as strange as it sounds but uh on your second sip of it you go oh wait a minute citrus and coffee go really well together mm. yeah i can see that actually i did i have tried it so i can i can remember what it tastes like and it was good <laughs> really good um how did you how long have you been brewing for and how did you get into beer um so i've been brewing professionally for about half a dozen years um I guess the way that I decided I wanted to be a brewer was I was finishing up my honours in chemistry and I was, I was trying to think, I was about to commit to a PhD for four years, but I, uh, I loved it and I wanted to do it, but it wouldn't have taken me to any place where I'd get a job. It was going to be four years of study for the sake of study, as opposed to going out and working in a career and getting four years of experience in that career. Um, so I chose the brewing industry because I, I love food and I love science and I enjoyed beer a lot. Um, and I find brewing is kind of a, a hybrid of cooking food and science. I mean, you need the art of mixing flavors, but you also need the science of extracting the flavors and knowing what's going on. So yeah, two weeks after I made the decision, I was in Perth. I'd moved from Brisbane to Perth and I was studying at Edith Cohen University. Um, and then, yeah, worked at Little Stint at Little Creatures over there in Fremantle. And then uh, over in Byron Bay with Stone and Wood for a couple of years. Then down to Holgate for a couple of years. And yeah, I've been traveling around, working for a few other breweries here and there um, since then. Pretty what? reasonable resume. Mm. 
Um, what inspired you to then, I guess, take the step away from, you know, you've, you've obviously worked for some, some pretty incredible breweries, um, to then take the step away to, to doing Molly Rose? I guess I've always wanted my own, my own brand to be able to make beers the way that I want to. And also, yeah, do all the fun stuff that you get to do if you have a brewery. Name beers, come up with stupid beers and make them because you can. Um, and then, yeah, have my own space where I can make beer and pour beer to people and kind of share the whole experience of uh, start to finish with consumers and share my passion directly with consumers, uh, which is, I think, the best part of beer. Mm. So at the moment, you're, where are you making a beer? Uh, at the moment, I'm making it at my lovely girlfriend, Callie, at her winery. Mm. Give uh, it a plug. Uh, it's Pachamama. Uh, so they've got a winery in the Strathbogie Ranges. So I rent a little corner away from everything else. Um, and yeah, brew tiny little batches, 300 litres, using all my own kit. Um and yeah, hand bottle everything, hand label everything, and hand deliver it all to all the shops. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good fun, and I love it. Yeah, mm. has that given you some access to some barrels? It has given me access to plenty of barrels. Very mm. nice. And is that? And when I think of Molly Rose, I do think of that sort of barrel aged, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe farmhousey or, or you know, the saison's probably a good example. Is that where you want to take? Molly Rose in the future? Yeah, I love, I love the farmhouse styles. I love Belgian beers and I love, um, yeah, alternative fermentation. So with bacteria and brett and many strains of Saccharomyces, I love using wood and, um, but at the same time, I also love other beers. So I'll be a uh, making farmhouse styles, but I'll also be making hop forward beers and I'll be making some dark beers. Um, I'll do some long-term aging in barrels with, uh, yeah, the alternative uh, microbes, bacteria and brett, but I'll also do some clean barrels. So barley wines and stouts and that kind of thing, quads. So tell us about your trip overseas. How long were you away for? Um, I was away for four months. Cool. So yeah, went straight out of Australia into Japan um, where the, just the food and the hospitality was out of this world. Have you guys been to Japan? Never, but I have uh, not. I'm trying I've to always think wanted it. to. It's, yeah, on my, it's on my list. I've got one in the works, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Possibly next year. Yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend it. It's, yeah, the, the food is just stunning everywhere and there's so much attention to detail and so much passion for everything that gets done. It's, yeah, it's very, very inspiring. The beer was great too, because uh, yeah, uh, whether they're Japanese or expats making the beer, there's the same level of attention to detail, and everybody serves their beer out of like little ten liter or twenty liter kegs. Right. So you go into a little uh, ten seating, ten seater, fifteen seater izakaya, and they've got it's normally macro beer, so it's normally Kirin or Sapporo, but they've got a, a little draft system set up on the bar. And they're pouring 10 litre kegs and it's just fresh, delicious lager. Yeah. And it's like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and even the craft brewers, they do 10 litre kegs, they do 20 litre kegs and they just deliveries around the country constantly. So everyone's drinking fresh beer all of the time. It's quite a different model to what we have here, isn't it? It's, it's more about 
Yeah, fresh rather than just volume. Yep. Do you think that could work here? I think so. I think so. Um, maybe not if you're trying to be a nationally distributed uh, brewery f- with one with one actual brewery site. Mm. So if you're trying to pour beer in Darwin but only making it in Melbourne, you're probably not yep. not <laughs> that easy to do a five-litre keg. But let's say I'm setting up in Collingwood, uh, for example. Um, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetic, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, I, I could service the whole of Melbourne with 20-litre kegs. That'd be... Uh, Mm. That'd be great. And your higher volume customers who are going to pull through it quicker can take a 50 litre keg. Yeah. So, Would there be any um, tax limitations on filling smaller vessels? There are. Yeah. There are. At the moment, anything smaller than 48 litres uh, gets a higher tax price. Mm. Uh, but the, the proposed um, that that volume will come down to 30 litres. So... I think it's next year, next financial year. Mm. It was meant to come through if the bill passes uh, that a 30-litre keg and a 50-litre keg will be taxed at the same rate, which is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. It's for, it's great for um, beer freshness, but it's also great for health and safety. A 50-litre keg weighs 65 kilos. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it weighs 65 kilos. It's awkwardly shaped. Yep. Um, not ideal for people lugging around. Yep. Sellers are also usually not spacious. Mm. Um, so people hurt themselves all the time. Mm. So it, it it was a silly law. Yeah. So. Um, what happened after Japan? Oh, Japan. After the Japan went to the states, uh, West Coast, so San Diego, San Francisco, and then went up to Chico to Sierra Nevada, which is amazing. Uh, um, then up to Portland. Uh, and then from Portland went down to New Orleans, uh, not for beer. That was for fun. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it was jazz fest. So that All was right. fantastic. I was gonna say, was it fun? But it sounds like it was fun already. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Did you a lot of street drinking. Take take a beer to go. Yeah, bit of street drinking, heaps of music. It was yeah, it was great. Nice. Are you a jazz fan? More blues than jazz. Yep. Uh, New Orleans, I found they kind of crossed over a lot more. Yeah, yeah. There. Was there anyone that you saw that you had always wanted to see or were you just... No, going with the flow. Yeah, nice. Which I think you meant to do in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't nerd up New Orleans with a list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, what, did you find any good beer in New Orleans or was, were you uh, even looking? I wasn't, just, I wasn't yeah. really looking. Um, I had uh, a crayfish po' boy. Beer is secondary if you're eating a crayfish. Oh, boy. oh crawfish. So crawfish, crawfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crawfish, not crayfish. That's what I meant. Crawfish and a catfish, po' boy too. Nice. Yum. And heaps of po' boys. <laughs> <laughs> so you said a a po' boy, a crawfish, but you had more than one crawfish at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. Um, after, yeah, after New Orleans, I went to the other Sierra Nevada brewery, which is in uh, uh, Asheville, mm-hmm. in North Carolina, and that's. Have you guys seen pictures? Have you been? To no, no. no. That's like Disneyland for brewers. Right. It it makes me tear up like thinking about it. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. Um, Why? What makes it Disneyland for brewers? Oh, so it's kind of in the middle of nowhere because they have an estate. So you pull off the freeway and then you turn turn off 
and then it's, GPS says to me, turn right onto Sierra Nevada Way. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know you've made it. Yeah. When? <laughs> and you drive through the field, dr- like drive through these beautiful fields, bit of forest here and there, and then there's a giant copper mash tun out in the middle of the field as you drive past. And you go, what? What's that? <laughs> and you pull into the car park and you see all of their solar panels. You see... Um, pretty much a cathedral of glass with the shiny brew house behind it yeah so they don't copper clad breweries anymore um and they haven't done for a long time and when they built their sierra nevada when they built their new brewery at chico they actually pulled people out of retirement to copper clad that brewery yeah now when they built this one those guys were actually all dead so they couldn't get anyone to copper clad it so they bought three copper breweries and just retrofitted that around the outside of some mega German brewery that they'd bought. Right. So that's why there was one in the field on the way in. Yeah, right. That's mm. fun. It's dedication to having a certain look. Very right? is, oh. it, is it aesthetic mostly, copper clad brewery? Yeah, yeah. it's all aesthetic, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. So, How are the beers? Incredible. Do, do they make good beers there in Nevada? I don't <laughs> oh, they're all right. Yeah. They're all right. Now, the beer is ex- fantastic. Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale is one of my favorite beers. Has always been, and I think it always will be. Um, so where'd you go from there? Uh, up to New York. Yep. Which I didn't think I'd enjoy, but I did. Good beer Why culture. Why do you think you would enjoy New York? Uh, it's the Big Apple. It's the did big you know a- that? Uh, Going in? The Big Apple? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, the city no, never a, sleeps. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Broadway? Really? <laughs> All these things. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't think that I'd get into the New York like lifestyle of just hanging out and doing stuff. But just the seeing. vastness of the city too yeah. gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hadn't done much research, but I got there and just went, yeah, this place is awesome. Mm. And could have spent about double the amount of time. I spent about a week there. Could have spent two weeks I easy. I had the exact same experience, yeah. Mm. Um any good beers in New York? I mean, I know there are. Did you come across any? I did. That was a long time ago. Yep. I uh, don't remember what they were. Cool. But I managed to get yeah, a few rare beers because there's some, some amazing beer bars and old school pub type things that serve really um, founders in the craft beer kind of industry. So they've been around for 20, 30 years, these mm. pubs. Um, and yeah, they have some cracking beers from around the country because... Oh, you you look at places like Russian River who only distribute locally and then they'll send kegs to one place in New York mm. and you can go to those places. So just breweries like that that will just service one pub because it's awesome. So, mm. And from New York? Uh, New York into Germany. Yep. Uh, Berlin where you do heaps of street drinking too. Yep. <laughs> Not quite like New Orleans, the yeah. people are slightly different, <laughs> but they've got this thing and it's not German thing. It's a Berlin thing. Uh, it's, it's called a, I think it's called a Fussbier. It's like a beer for when you're walking. Okay. Yeah. It's great. So yeah, you just grab it from a, like a 7-Eleven-y type shop. Yeah. Awesome lagers, so big bottle. Is it a style as as like as a certain approach or it's just any any beer no, that no, you're no. walking with is your first a- beer any beer that you okay. grab out of a convenience store yeah for like a euro yeah and you can just walk around drinking it great mm. 
So, I mean, that kind of culture where there's, there's no nanny state telling people that you can't drink on the street, but there's also no alcohol-related violence. Mm. When, when you say, oh, but you ask questions about it. Does anyone get drunk and fight? They go, what? You don't fight when you get drunk? <laughs> um, open container laws are in Australia vary between council, don't they? Like, I think in Footscray you can drink on the street, but just not in the, like, main part of Footscray. Yeah. But I don't think... Do you know anything about these? No, I don't. Okay. But I feel like it's the perception is probably more uh, total than people realise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, say, uh, some Melbourne parks, like Carlton Gardens, you probably can't. People do, but you probably can't. But, yeah, it depends on councils. So... If you're out there and you're listening and you're wondering if you can a get, lot a, get of a full spear. A lot of people do in Carlton Gardens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about carrying around a traveller from, you know, a bit more frequently come summertime now that I've realised that. Hmm. Not encouraging people to check your local bylaws first. Future <laughs> shows though, Carlton yeah. Gardens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Germany was fun. Germany was great. I love the differences in the beer. All the, way, all the way around Germany. So in the north, the beers are super bitter and dry. They're kind of like they're just as hoppy as West Coast IPAs and dry. It, that shocked me, mm. how bitter and hoppy they are uh, in a Pilsner. Mm. Um, and then in the south, you've got the Hefeweizens and yeah, really cool beer. And just beer and food is everything in yeah. Germany. Um, it's not... It's not a special thing to go out and drink a beer and have a meal. It's not a special thing to have a Hefeweizen with sausage for breakfast, mm. which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'm into that. Yep. Yeah. Um, did you take anything away from Germany? I guess, or did anything surprise you that you'd probably take away and institute with your own setup? Um, I like long tables. Okay. It's, I guess... The most beer drinking I saw was probably in uh, Munich. Uh, it was Dave, very similar to this, that I was out wandering around. And they, their beer halls were just like a thousand people in each of them. And there's half a dozen, ten beer halls scattered around Munich. And just chockers full of young people, old people, families. Um, and they're all sitting on communal tables and you sit down and you enjoy a beer and you don't get rowdy, you don't spill on your neighbours. You just hang out and have a good time. Enjoy the good food and the sun and be communal and be neighbourly. Were you travelling solo at this point? I was, yeah. How did you go, I guess, sitting at a, a long table and being communal and neighbourly in a foreign country by yourself? <laughs> Actually, in Munich, a good friend of mine who um, is marrying... A German girl okay. came and drank heaps of beer with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, That makes <laughs> things was, easier, mate. It was, it was pretty funny. We met up with her later. And she's like, how many beers have you guys had? I mean, we only had three. <laughs> but they were the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Three, three litres. Yeah. Three litres, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Germany sounds fun. I really want to go to Germany. Have you been? No. Never, no. Where to next? Uh, from Germany, went to Slovenia. Okay. Hmm. Why? And no slide on Slovenia, I guess. It's not, it's not known as a beer uh, tourism destination. 
Um, so I grew up in the Riverland. This is a long, <laughs> a bit of a loop. Yeah, I grew up great. in the Riverland. Uh, and one of my really good friends growing up. Um, her cousin has a brewery in Slovenia. Yeah. So he's Australian. Yep. And not Slovenian. His wife is Slovenian. Um, uh, is that the eastern coast of Italy? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Yep. Um, so it's kind of below Austria. Um, so it's, yeah, it's got all sorts of cultures going on in there. Um, yeah, he set up a brewery and he started the craft beer scene in Slovenia. I think it was about 12 years ago. Cool. Hmm. So his brewery is called Human Fish Brewing. Uh named after fish that lives in caves in that local town that he's in. So if you're ever in Slovenia, in Ljubljana, Ljubljana is the capital. Beautiful city, lovely city. Uh, But if you're over there, check out human fish beers. They're awesome. Hmm. Can you go and see the human fish themselves that live in caves? Don't know, I didn't. I went to his brewery. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like fun. I think it used to be like under the con- Italian control and Austrian control at different times. So it would make sense that there's a good little mixture of culture going on there. Yeah, it's, it's, there's all sorts of food. And then there was, I think, um, there's some Middle Eastern culture that came in there too because oh yeah? there's like borax, uh, street food. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, what an odd yeah. find to get there, yeah. Yeah. I, I should remember more about that, actually. <laughs> I should have done more research before coming on here. Um, but yeah, Slovenia was great. And uh, from there, went up to... Went to England, actually. Went to England from Slovenia. Um, London. Tried to drink a bit of cask beer and a bit of cider in England. Just to... Because they do it different. Yeah, sure. The specific fruit for it and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah exactly uh really complex and interesting and some wild stuff and some funky stuff and some cheesy stuff and yeah interesting and then yeah tried to drink a bit of cask beer in london but then went up to um yorkshire where i drank a whole lot of cask beer fantastic beer up there yeah good people great curry and uh excellent beer so that's like the home of black sheep timothy taylor's Mm. uh Samuel Smith. Smith. Sam Smith. Smiths. Yep. Nice. Uh, Were you a cask beer fan? Yes. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, I like it. Holgate did some cask stuff as well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We always put our ESB and Temptress on the cask at yep. the pub up there. Mm. And ESB. Holgate ESB and cask is yeah, it's always delicious. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, from Yorkshire, jumped across. I mean, I. I loved Yorkshire because they had great history, long brewing history, and they just love beer, very much like the Germans, love beer, and it's part of their culture. Um, yeah, from Yorkshire across to Belgium. And there's no beer there, is there? Nah, no. it's shocking. Bummer. It was the worst. Yeah. Just spent a day and I ate some fritz and like... Still pretty good. Still yeah. a pretty good day. In a cone with mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, Where'd you get them from? Where were you in this one? What? Uh, City? That was uh, Brussels. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so did Brussels, Bruges, and then pretty much covered the whole of Belgium. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. Belgian people, 
They're like, what? You're going to that town this afternoon? It's four o'clock and it's 45 minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, we will. Does the town close at five? Because yeah. otherwise, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you, anything surprise you about Belgian beer culture? Or how close it all is, but how diverse. Um, yes. Switching from area to area, the beer changes, the language changes. As you guys know, they speak French and Flemish. Mm. Um, how hoppy the beers are over there surprised me. Mm. Mm. Any in particular, like any breweries doing something? Because I guess so. it seems now there are more and more sort of new world breweries jumping yep. on. Um, but it's only really in really recent times. Mm. Was there sort of more traditional ones you found hoppier than you expected? Yeah, all of, all of the Saisons. Yeah, cool. From traditional and more modern breweries. So Saison de Pont is hoppy and dry and super banana actually when it's fresh. Mm. That must you must fall out in the boat on yeah. the way over. It's, I reckon it's a completely different beer. Mm. I've had it on tap here and it definitely tastes a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really got it, the love for it having it here in bottles until I had it either on tap or mm-hmm. fresh. So, yeah, I think it's a... Yeah, so DuPont was more bitter, more delicious as well. I went to the town of Tours, where it's from, and it's just a brewery and a pub and a butcher. <laughs> oh, there's a primary school too, but, like, yeah. I didn't go there. <laughs> um, went into the butcher, and they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, come to see the brewery. And they're like, what brewery? DuPont, and they're like, that brewery? Why? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's one of the best breweries in the world. And in this butcher, they had uh, a couple of terrines and pates and cheeses all made with the DuPont okay. oh. beer. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, beer and cheese is very ingrained there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's because it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, so the, the modern breweries you mentioned... Uh, I guess Burrow de la Seine. Yep. That's one of the more modern ones. Their beers are cracking and they inspired me a lot. Um, they kind of... In Belgium, They people do what they want. They make beer how they want and when they want and out of whatever ingredients they want and they don't really care about tr- um, how other people in the world make it. Mm. So Burrow de la Seine makes cracking beers but he makes them his way. Mm. And Durank make amazing beers but they make them their way. It's... It's really cool and really inspiring. So beers don't need to be made in a in a tall stainless steel fermenter and pitched with the same yeast as everybody else and made with the same hops as everybody else and then 4.5% pale ale because that's what a beer is. No, beers can be anything. Mm. So I guess that, that was my takeaway out of Belgium is make it however you want. Mm. Um, was that your last stop or you had? Belgium was my last stop. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a very big question. Mm-hmm. If you could, I guess, sum up beer culture based on your experience as you know, absorbing the world's beer culture, what, what, did you, what did you learn about the overall culture of beer? You could have asked me that one yesterday. <laughs> I would have come up with something really profound. Nah, we want on the fly here. Yep. No profoundness. No profundity to be had. <laughs> so beer is, a, beer, beer is a drink to be enjoyed by all. Um, in... In any situation, there is a beer to be enjoyed by everybody in any situation, um, whether it be s- 
put on a pedestal in front of everybody because of its beauty and its elegance and the attention to detail that went into it, or whether it's drunk from a can and watching sport. Using all of that um, information and experience you got, what do you what do you want Molly Rose to be? That's another big question. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to make beer that's balanced and approachable and non-exclusive. I want to make beer that makes people think, but they, don't, they also don't have to think about. Um, and, yeah, make beer for people to enjoy, most of all. You just quickly <laughs> poured us a beer. Um, Laforge? Is that how you say it? Laforge. Laforge. Uh, in English, the forge. <laughs> uh, is it? it? I have no idea. Well, th- yeah, I think it is. Yeah, there was a, there was an anvil in the pub. Okay, so. that yeah, that'll do it. So inspired by um, yeah the the town of Dupont. Uh, but yep, the town the town where Dupont uh, is uh, it's called Tups, and the name the name of the pub the only pub in town the only almost the only shop in town is La Forge. Uh, this is very. And you, you said it's Saison, it says Saison on the label. Yes. Very yes. unlike Saison Dupont. At least on the nose it is. Taste? Yep, yep. Very, unlike, unlike, very unlike Saison Dupont. It's not a Dupont yeah, yeah. imitation or anything like that. It was, uh, it's a barrel-aged Saison um, with many strains of bread and also a bit of bacteria in there, so there's good tartness to it. Um, it's kind of a little go at a... More maybe more historic saison, maybe not though because it's high in alcohol. I don't know. Saisons can be anything. Yeah, <laughs> this one's been in barrel. <laughs> That's a good answer mm. to well. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I really like it. It smells way funkier on the nose than it is. Definitely drinking. got a really wild nose, mm-hmm. which I don't got like. the tartness, bit of acidity, nice little citrus punch in there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like it. Uh, this was part of the second. Founders, Pat, was it called Founders? What was the Foundation Series. Foundation Series, sorry. Mm. Uh, what were the other two? Um, so there's another one we can taste in a minute. Um, it's called Ex Venom. Um, that's a, I call it a wild dark ale because I didn't really know how it was going to end up. Um, I did an experiment when I was working in vintage 2017. I took five kilos of Shiraz grapes and put them into a no-hop stout. And it went so wild and funky and delicious. Um, so I saved some yeast from that and pitched it into a barrel with a, a 6% dark Belgian ale and left that for about 10 months. Um, and I thought it would go sour and funky and wild, uh, but it didn't. There's just these layers of vinousness in there. So I, I'm pretty sure there is some Shiraz yeast that's been playing in that beer because otherwise yeah there's also some impact from a pinot barrel that it was in um and also the the malts have kind of integrated all of that so it's called wild but it's not so wild just got some wild yeast in it um and the other one is uh beer from a barrel which um was meant to be a barley wine but that picked up something from the winemakers uh, some bread that was in that barrel. Okay. 
So that's why the barrel got handed to me sure. because it was no longer good for making wine. Um, and it munched through my barley wine, kind of left it like a strong Belgian dark ale, um, which is still delicious beer and still strong and big and bold and complex, but it's just not a barley wine anymore. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the label was printed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. So Foundation Series, there was 150 members of it. Um, so they've all just been shipped out. So if anybody's in the Foundation Series, thanks for buying and hope you enjoy the beers. Um, Are they yeah. not available anywhere else? These ones won't be, no. Excellent. No. Um, yeah. What were you going to say when the truck interrupted us? Uh, it was halfway through answering what Molly Rose was going to be. Mm. Did I not answer that? I, I think you like did. You I think there was something yeah. else coming. Possibly. Or maybe I had something to ask. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. We'll edit that to make it sound way, way crisper. You're getting a peek behind the curtain here. Um, so, I guess we've talked about Molly Rose up until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're going to do for the next 12 months, and I guess there's a reason why we haven't talked about too much about what the next 12 months look like, uh, we're going to start a new series under Isle of a Time, uh, which will be me and Nick once a month sitting down and discussing a, a different aspect of the brewery process um, or the building the brewery process. Uh, we'll talk about designing beers, designing artwork. We'll, we'll bring in some local guests and some sound bites from other people. Uh, I think you suggested a name, which I've forgotten already. What was the name going to be? Uh, Home is Where the Beer Is. Home is Where the Beer Is. Uh, based on? Um, the roller door to my uh, new warehouse site used to be... Well, the, my new warehouse used to be a furniture production place, a carpenter. And he had a home is where the furniture is on the roller door. So I'm going to very soon cross out furniture and write beer. Are you like doing spray paint? Yeah. Great. Right. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So over the next 12 months, we're going to be uh, getting to know Nick and getting to know the space really well, I think. Um, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I think so. First one will be out next week. We just need to find a time to record it. Um, and that's... What's that talking about finding a brewery location? Is that what we've decided? We should have checked before we started this. Yeah, yeah considering we just had a break to pour the beer <laughs> as well. <laughs> no, it was either finding the brewery location or choosing the business model mm. slash plan. So the business model will be a unique one, but let's not spoil it. Let's... Um, mm talk about it as we go Mm. maybe we'll take a short break and come back with some recommendations love it welcome back you've just poured us a beer and it was the wrong beer tell us what happened it's the right beer but it's not the beer that i thought it was yeah (laughs) yeah um, it didn't have a label on it. Yeah, and it was in the fridge, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a dark beer. That's X Venom." It wasn't. It's a uh, Kuro, which is the Japanese dark lager from the first batch of the Foundation series. So, twelve-month-old smoky dark lager. Yep, holds up pretty well. It's really good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a bit disappointing because I was looking forward to, uh, yeah, having having the other one, but uh, yeah, it's tasting good. Yeah. Let's do some recommendations. Where are we going to start? 
You want to do beers first or non-beers? Let's do beers first. I always like finishing on non-beers. Sure. That is a kind of fun way to go about it. I agree. Who wants to go first? Let's start with Nick. All right. Um, Give us a beer, Rick. A beer recommendation. Um, look, I'm, this is going to be pretty straight down the line, but I had the other day a filter XPA at Capitano, and it was just like, it was fucking perfect. It was delicious. Mm. Um, and it went great with some pizza. It was, it was just a fantastic experience. Um, yeah. Great. Uh, I haven't been to Capitano yet. I'm really keen to go. That's the uh, people that aren't aware. It's the Bar Liberty, Rockwell and Sons kind of crew doing a, they're calling it a New York style Italian restaurant. Um, I've heard good things. So yeah, I've seen some pretty sweet photos on Instagram as well. Mm. And you had a good experience? I've, I've been twice. Okay. Um, I think they've only been open for a bit over a month. Yeah, yeah. It was delicious. Uh, pasta, pizza, tiramisu. Oh. Just like decadent and rich and full. Like That's full awesome. flavoured. Um, yeah. Emma went and she said there was something she didn't quite like about food or one dish. But she's like, I'll still go back. The service was great, and I really want to eat the tiramisu. So, yeah, those guys know food and they know service. Yeah, like, and they know booze. They just they they know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must see that Italian-y. They know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go next. Um, go for it. My beer recommendation. Uh, it's going to be a brute IPA, uh, West Coast brute IPA from Garage Project. Uh, I, I almost feel bad recommending a Garage Project beer because like. They don't need our recommendations. No. They're doing okay for themselves, those kids. But um, this is almost a... The label um, is... It hits home for two things for me. Uh, one, the west coast of New Zealand. They've got uh, Nikau Palms on the label, which is, is uh, kind of part of New, the west coast of New Zealand. You see them everywhere, and it's my childhood, and, you know, it takes me home. But also the design of the label is very much in the uh, vaporwave aesthetic. Um, Vaporwave is this weird genre of music that I kind of got obsessed with for a while there. Um, and it's very Vaporwavey. It's super... For, for people that are Vaporwave fans, it's aesthetic, trust me. Um, the beer itself, delicious. How does it uh, compare with ours? Our Vaporwave aesthetic? No, no, our Brewed IPA. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, very similar finish. Yeah. Um, actually, pretty similar in total. It's probably, in terms of the ones I've had, it's closest to ours than the others. Sure. Uh, maybe a bit fruitier with uh, American hops. Mm-hmm. I think it's got American hops, and I'm not 100% sure, but it had that kind of more piney um, smell. Yep. And I think because they, they're calling it West Coast Brute IPA, so I'm wondering if they've Have hopped a bit it of like a, a West Coast IPA. Sure. Um, yeah, really lovely. I, actually, I had it after Pinot Palooza on the weekend, the wine festival, so it was like the perfect antidote to, to loads Heaps and loads of, of wine. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just a, a f- really... Fragrant beer, really dry, lovely. Nice. Dave, what you is got? Is that package? Oh, you just labelled, is it? Yeah, yeah, package, yeah. So I had it on tap um, at Mr. West. Yeah, nice. Reasonably priced as well. I think now they've gone to their own distribution, their prices have come down a little bit. I think it was $8 for a pot. That'll do. Which was, you know, it's six and a half, seven percent 7%. So, yeah. Yeah, back in the day before they changed the distribution, it would be crazy prices. For yeah, that. it'd be like 11 yeah. or 12 yeah. so I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Nice. All right, my beer rack is going to be one, a new one from uh, Bad Shepherd um, in Cheltenham. It's going to be their Victorian Pale Ale. Uh, a little bit different. They have used a Melbourne Ale yeast strain, which 
apparently in the start of the 20th century was very commonly used in the m- numerous Melbourne breweries and since um, was lost and I think was banked by uh, a London lab, uh, if I'm not much mistaken, in about 1936. And when uh, Peter Simons was writing his book and researching it, uh, I think it's Bronze Brewing, is that the book? Uh, bron- bronze Brewing, yeah. Bronze Brewing, bronze yeah. Brews. Something like that. He um, uh, uncovered it and asked White Labs to uh, sort of uh, log it and propagate it for them. And uh, Derek Hales at Bad Shepherd heard about that and asked a few questions and got some from White Labs uh, and has made a, a relatively standard Victorian parallel using completely Victorian ingredients. They're pushing it. I don't know if it's correct, but it could well be. But they're pushing it as like the only 100% Victorian parallel using malt hops yeast from Victoria. Uh, as opposed to Furphy, which builds itself as Victorian. True. Using, I don't know what I'm yeast they use. use. It's International a, yeast? It's a coal yeast, I believe. Coal yeast, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, that's good marketing and all, but yeah, they, they. But I think I've got a feeling that um, Bad Shepherd are really gonna get behind that particular beer. It's gonna get canned as part of their um, core range. Yeah, I think they're probably gonna use that yeast in a number of their other beers as well. So they're gonna cool. try and bring that back um, and use that as sort of their house yeast. But it's um, pretty aggressively hops. It's super super dry, um, and it's a real real drinkable one. So you'll see it more and more around the place. What what kind of characters were you getting from the yeast? Uh, it was super clean, so it finished really really dry. I think it chewed through the sugars um, pretty aggressively. Uh, didn't get much uh, character. I can't think of they used topaz and what's another Victorian hop. Two can't think of what they use, but uh, most of the character came from that, and it finished super dry. So um, it seemed pretty neutral, but uh, it was a good beer. Mm. Yeah, I'm really keen to try that. It's yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great story. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did a little Q and A with Peter Simon, Peter Simons, um, mm-hmm. about a year ago, or, or whenever he released that book. So um, check it out on the website um, with more about his book. So it's a he's a fascinating guy. He's gone and collected a whole lot of recipes that uh, I think were almost lost to the ages. So yeah, it's cool, and it's cool to see it being used commercially now. Yeah, nice. Like, let's go non beers. Non beer. What you got, Nick? Um, I was drinking Pinot on Saturday as well, but I was down the Mornington Peninsula. Um, stopped in at a winery called Queerly. Oh, yep. And it was recommended that we go down to a temporary pop-up, which is only October through December or something like that. So they just opened and it was their viticulturalist. It's his brand. Uh, it's called Kerry Greens and it's in this on this side of this hill. A uh, young couple have the winery, and the, yeah, they make maybe half a dozen wines, but their yeah, their pinots and shards were fantastic, awesome spot. So if you're down in the Mornington, check out Kerry Greens. Um, you can take a picnic. It's kind of, it's on this. They've got some tables, and it's a bit of a slope overlooking about four different vineyards coming down this valley. Pretty pretty stunning Sounds spot. Like a dream, yeah. If, yeah. Uh, if only it was springtime and the weather was heating up and everyone was keen right. to get outside. I know, right? Oh, wait a minute. Mm. Yeah. Perfect timing. Um, Curly also have like an amazing reputation. They make some really lovely wines, don't they? Yeah. The, 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 Curly, the Curly, Curly, Curly wines were fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, oh, also, going back to beer in the non-beer, uh, Hop Nation guys uh, must be buddies with the Kerry Greens guys because mm. their beers are there as well. Yeah. So you can grab a, a, a heart pale ale or a damned pills in can. Great. Bottle of wine, sit on the grass. God damn, that sounds like a drink. Yeah, that sounds perfect. It yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it was really cool. Great find. Yeah, check it out. What a good wreck. I yeah. think they did a pop up together um, in the city. There's a it's the Windsor Hotel and near Spring Street there, that corner of Spring Street. It used to be um, is it the Windsor. It used to be Hard Rock Cafe. Oh. Years ago. Anyway, they did a pop up there called Taps, and it was those two doing, and no one knew about it. Um, so Emma used to always go there when she was working in the city on a Friday night to meet her sister for a drink and you could always get a spot and they'd have really good wine and really good beer and yeah what a winner Kerry Green I like it I'm going to check check that out definitely definitely great great value fantastic wines Um, if you're drinking wine Pinot especially uh, you're going to want something good to have with it right my recommendation um, yeah thank you there's an Adam Law recipe the um, used to be a master chef guy now he's got Television shows, and he does really good recipes and good food, um, goodfood.com.au. Uh, and he's got a recipe for a chicken Maryland, uh, which is roasted and it's um, then basted with butter and honey. Mm. So it kind of caramelizes on top. Oh, and chili as well. I So I took I took that recipe and kind of modified it a little bit, still did the butter and honey, but did like um, fish sauce and some Vietnamese ingredients. Mm. Um Home by myself, this just delicious roasted chicken Maryland. Highly recommend it. Check out his recipe. If you Google Adam Law Chicken Maryland, it'll be top result. Nice. Um, you can modify a little bit with a bit more chili. So you went Vietnamese, you put a bit of lime on it? Uh, I did fish sauce, palm sugar. Uh, I didn't have any lime. I feel like something was um, But I did some bird's eye chilies as well yeah, um, nice. and a bit of garlic and then did the honey and thingo mixture. And then I did a coleslaw with a mayonnaise and some spicy um, s- uh, sweet chilli sauce it's really chilli that I, I picked up at an Asian supermarket so it was a party that's a winner I'm still thinking about it like oh. yeah it sounds delicious very yeah. good and what did you match with it I can't remember it was all about the it was all about the chicken about yeah the yeah I would have been drinking a beer maybe a oh no I was drinking um, the guava smash from stomping ground that'll do yeah hashtag life goals huh Absolutely. Dave, what do you got? Uh, well, it's come up a couple of times, but we're coming into warmer weather. Be sun smart. Last thing you want to do is miss a couple of days because you've just burnt yourself to a crisp while everyone else is having fun. Yep. Bit of slip, bit of slop, bit of slap. Oh, You'll yeah. be powering through, enjoying every single day. I'm digging this. Uh, that's one of my favorite recommendations ever. Yeah. Yeah, good PSA. It's good advice. I mean, yeah. who, who wants to waste a beautiful summer's day being inside? Going to look like a lobster. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, I was, I was down, yeah, Peninsula, like I say, and there may have been a few in, in the party that got a little blushed yeah. on the first hot day of the year. Uh, so if only this recommendation had come earlier. People get overexcited. Mm-hmm. They start to uh, show a bit of skin to get some color, but the only color they get, red. Mm. Good stuff. I like it. Hey, Nick, if we want to find information about Molly Rose, where do we find it? Um, so I've got a website, mollyrosebrewing.com. I've no, got just it. bragging, but that's what I'm yeah. <laughs> Fancy website. Yeah, yeah. well, la-di-da. <laughs> Instagram? <laughs> yep. 
uh, Molly Rose Brewing, I think it is, and also Facebook. Uh, and I think there might be a podcast with some more information. Yeah, as well. so um, as we said, the next 12 months, 12 episodes. Uh, but that'll be under the Isle of a Time feed. So if you're listening to this, you don't need to do anything else. Next time when it pops up, it'll just download automatically to your device. I'm assuming. I don't know how you got your podcast set up, listeners, but. Uh, Dave? Uh, get me Dave at alloftime.com, uh, at MelbDave on the Twitter and the Instagrams. Um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash time. Things are in the works. Mm. You don't want to miss out, so jump in. What would you recommend the best, uh, the best level to get the most out of it? 20 bucks. 20 bucks to get the most yeah. for sure. <laughs> nah, any level. Any level is cool. Whatever, whatever you think is, is worth your money, we're happy. $5,000. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've got $5,000 a month, it's a month, by the way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is a lot. I mean. We're in. I'm in. Um, you can find me at Ale of a Time, aleofatime.com. Keg bottle can is still in stores. Uh, Christmas time's coming up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to buy someone a little gift. Maybe you want to you want to buy yourself a little gift. Maybe you want to stuff some stockings. Yeah. Um, also, for people that like a crazy conspiracy theory, the hypo- hypothetical institute dot uh, com, or look it up in your podcasting apps for some good conspiracy gear. Thanks, guys. At Hypothopod on the socials. Oh, at Hypothopod, thank you. If you want to see Alex Jones snippets, we got you covered. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.